Okay, this is All Girls Want Bad Podcasts, and I am Alex. And I'm Evangelina. And I am getting right down to business. <laughs> no frills with me. Uh, this week is Evangelina's week. So All right. You get to tell me about things. Okay, so this week <laughs> I read, well, I did another reread, mm-hmm. and I reread Still Starcrossed by Melinda Taub. I don't know anything about this. I know they turned it into like a mini series. Well, it was supposed to be a series series, and it didn't do well, and it got canceled. Uh, so this is a continuation of Romeo and Juliet in which uh, you've got Rosalind, who was the... Love interest in the beginning. Yeah, the one that Romeo loved before... Loved, air quotes, uh, before Juliet. You got Rosalind and Benvolio, who was Mm -hmm. the friend that didn't die. (laughs) Uh, That's also how I remember him, yes. Yeah, (laughs) and Prince Aeschylus, who, of course, at the end is like, look at what you fuckers did. Um, And now... Who reads Romeo and Juliet and says, yeah, I want to write what happens after. Yeah, it's actually surprisingly popular. This is one of three books that I know of that explore Rosalind and Benvolio. Interesting. Yeah, this is the only one that I've read. Because I read this originally a few years back because the series was coming out right and it was Shondaland and at the time I was super into uh TGI Thursdays and um I respect her so much for what she's built but I can't watch her shows they're hit and miss with me I was as you know I was super into how to get away with murder and then they killed off my favorite character and I was like bye uh so I, I was really like into the idea of watching this. So I read the book. The book was pretty damn good, I thought. The series was terrible. Uh, <laughs> the only... I mean, that's why it got canceled after one season. I do own the entire uh, show. But the only why? thing... Because I never finished it uh, when it aired. So And I couldn't find it illegally. So I bought it because it was fairly cheap. And I finished it. Yeah, it wasn't oh, good. <laughs> the only thing that the series got right was they added uh, people of color. Mm-hmm. And I think they possibly were going to make... But people of color didn't exist before the 1800s. (laughs) Uh, Just so everybody knows, Alex is obviously being facetious. Oh, uh, (laughs) yes, of course. Yeah. uh, (laughs) I don't always... I It came off um, perfectly facetious to me, but (laughs) I'm always worried because there's always some, like, weirdo who's like, how can they... <laughs> yeah. So I just wanted to cover all of our bases. Well, like, yeah. <laughs> uh, what was I going to say? You were looking at me when I started with came off like, oh, no, did I goof? I was like, no, you did not goof. I just wanted to make sure nobody else thought you did. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, I'm just going to treat our audience like they're dumber than they are. I'm sorry, you guys. <laughs> Until people on the internet can learn to play nicely. Yes. <laughs> We're going to treat you with training wheels and be like, hashtag, this was a joke. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's the only thing, like, the series got right. They added, I mean, they mainly got the main, like, plot beats of it, but they mm-hmm. added, like, 
weird unnecessary subplots they did weird characterizations like for example Benvolio's like good and trustworthy and he's always been like you know the steady Montague mm-hmm. and then in the show he was like a playboy and he's like in love with a sex worker at the beginning and is okay. he, he like broke off an engagement already because he didn't want to get married and he and Lord Montague have this horrible relationship because you find out that Montague actually killed Benvolio's dad and has always treated Benvolio shitty whereas in the book they actually have a really nice loving relationship they made Lord Capulet who was played by Anthony Head from Buffy the Vampire oh, Slayer fun yeah he like murdered a guy at one point frivolously okay. uh it was, it was because okay. no one can have okay again sarcasm but that seems to be a trend in tv and movies where you have to have um difficult character relationships yeah where there's no underlying current of drama whereas in books i think it's easier to explore having good relationships with other people and the conflict comes from other places like internally yeah i wonder if that's because you can get the characters inner thoughts but in TV, maybe yeah that'd be an interesting thing to look into i want to know uh-huh I always just throw these ideas out, and then I'm like, I'm never going to look into that. (laughs) (laughs) But they're always like, damn, they're such good kernels, I feel like. Yeah, and there was like, so there's, like, in the book, they also made Rosalind and her sister Livia servants to the other Capulets. I mean, it is a plot point in the book that once their parents died, they were, like, reduced, they were put into reduced circumstances, and they're basically the wards of the Capulets, and they're kind of ignored. But in the show like they straight up like Cinderella story them <laughs> and they have to be servants to the Capulets to like earn their keep like they added a whole bunch of like unnecessary bullshit like that is it just Cinderella story or is it Cinderella story too, where they learn how to dance really well <laughs> <laughs> if only that could have saved the series <laughs> uh. season two <laughs> So yeah, so the series wasn't great, but if you if that's all you know of this of Still Star Crossed, I highly encourage you to read the book because it's way better. Uh, so I'll get into the summary of it, the like official summary, um, which reads: Romeo and Juliet are gone. Will Good love riddance. live on? <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Despite the gloomy peace that settled on Verona after the recent tragedy, Montagues and Caplets are brawling in the streets. Faced with more bloody battles, Prince Aeschylus concludes that the only way to truly marry the fortunes of these two families is to literally marry them together. Hell yeah! Everyone is skeptical. Isn't that a bad idea? But no, exactly. <laughs> but none more so than the pair selected for the most eligible Montague bachelor is Benvolio, Romeo's best friend, still anguished by the loss of his companions, and the chosen Capulet mate is Juliet's older cousin Rosalind, the girl Romeo first loved and whose refusal of Romeo's affection paved the way for bloodshed. Wait, she refused him? I, I haven't read I haven't read this play since ninth grade. Um, there's a line about how like she refuses to be touched. There's like implied <laughs> Uh, not you mean my autobiography <laughs> <laughs> i meant like like her heart touched but that uh, is a, there's okay. there's something about like i think it's implied that she wants to like take holy orders oh oh yeah when i was 
God. When I was in Tonga, people would ask me if I was married because that was one of the like first things that people were interested in Tonga is like your relationship status. And uh, so, as a joke, I learned how to say, "No, I'm going to become a nun." Uh-huh. <laughs> Which, if anybody's interested, is um, uh, oh shit, it's been like three years since I've had it had to say it. It's like um, Teo Tao Tapo. Mm-hmm. That's what it was. You should start speaking random Tongan to me. I should. You should. I mean, our friend Tony, who was also in the Peace Corps, gets whenever he gets drunk, he starts speaking Spanish. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I mostly just speak Tongan to the cats. I'll call them uh, fat. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Boy, fatty. Boy, fatty. <laughs> yeah, and I'll, uh, I'll call them pussy. Which is cat, and obviously I'm a 12 year old boy, so pussy's funny. <laughs> <laughs> that should be one of the uh, what's gonna call it the euphemisms in one of these romance there you novels. Go. <laughs> you know, I have thought I should probably write a book about uh, like a fictionalized account of Tonga and maybe make it a romance because that's all I ever read or write. But um, yeah, I can't really think of any books that I've read. I've read one, which I do highly recommend. It's called Euphoria, but it's about people in the 1920s who go and join. Uh, it's like this married couple who go and join this uh, this group in Papua New Guinea. Mm-hmm. It is a, an excellent book, huh. but that's maybe the only one that I've ever read about uh, South Pacific Islands. So I want to join the canon. All right. Eventually. I hope you do that one day. And I will put pussy in there. <laughs> just for you. Okie doke. So back to the summary. <laughs> uh, contrary to their late cousins, there's no love lost between Benvolio and Rosalind. Yet they forge a bond to end the renewed feud, not only to escape their forced betrothal, but to save their lives in the city of Verona itself. Mm-hmm. So this is, I know, you're like rolling your eyes they make it look really melodramatic and it's really not um all i can imagine is like 60 pages of them being like i don't want to marry i'm wanting you <laughs> i don't know what that accent was <laughs> um so our three players so this is one of the the first book i feel like i've done for this podcast that actually has a true love triangle mm-hmm. uh like do they do it well or is it annoying I've never liked a love triangle. Uh, the first time I read it, I was really annoyed by Aeschylus and Rosalind because I just really wanted her with Benvolio from the get-go. But, like, reading it the second time, like, he's a perfectly suitable love interest. Like, mm-hmm. they both, like, To Catch a Pirate sort of had that, but, like, you knew from the get-go that she was going to pick James yeah. and that she had friend-zoned Nathaniel and stuff. Whereas in this book, she's genuinely torn, and they're both genuinely, like, good people. Um... So yeah, the girl into Catch a Pirate is such a stupid bitch. She chose wrong. No, she chose right. <laughs> it still boggles me, and I wanted to address this after listening to our episode. How you were like defending the fact that Nathaniel locked her in the brig so she couldn't go and fight. Like I know you as a person, and if somebody told you you couldn't do something. <laughs> and straight up locked you in a room to prevent you from doing something, your rage alone would give you the power to bust through the door. You <laughs> would never forgive him. <laughs> you get points there. <laughs> but 
But it's like the whole thing where fiction does not equate reality. <laughs> I enjoy reading about that in the books because it shows that the character really cares about the person. Well, that's the thing. To, like keep them from danger. Well, that's the thing. James also cared about her, but he trusted her abilities. She doesn't have abilities. She She's did been though. Learning for two days. But it's fiction, so clearly. <laughs> she <laughs> We're coming at this from two sides of the same coin. <laughs> uh, yeah. But we should probably drop anyway, it. Yes. <laughs> it'll just be random episodes, but we're like, okay, but to catch a pirate. Justice for Nathaniel. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you'll be here for justice for Prince Aeschylus. <laughs> we'll see. So our key players, you've got Rosalind of House Teremo. She's technically a ca- Her mom was a Capulet. Mm-hmm. Um... She was, of course, Romeo's first crush. She was also the former playmate of Juliet and the former playmate of um, Isabella, who is Prince Aeschylus's sister, because Rosalind's mom was the lady-in-waiting to the queen of Verona. Uh, They refer to the king and queen as prince and princess, so I don't know if they're just, Mm. like, a tiny kingdom who doesn't have, like, like a big sovereign. I don't know. They're always prince and princess. Does that matter? Are you not a queen unless you have a certain number of subjects below you? I don't know. I don't think that sounds right. Uh, I have no clue. But yeah, he's always <laughs> Prince Esclus, although he is okay. the ruler of Verona. Oh, interesting. Okay. Like, um, and his mom was referred to as the princess. Um, so Rosalind's fa- father died at Montague Hands, and then her mom died of grief essentially a couple years later. And so she and her sister essentially fell into poverty and they were only given basic acknowledgement by the rest of the Capulets. And so they're allowed to live on like a, in a tiny cottage at like the edge of like Capulet lands. And there is a like merchant that they don't know of that lives in their previous house and provides enough money from them through renting that house that they can like get by. Um, and then they lost their cushy royal connections, which, because Isabella and Aeschylus were, like, sent to different kingdoms to, like, you know, get a, an, what's the word I'm looking for when you study, ab- uh, studying abroad. <laughs> they were basically in, like, an, an old school study abroad program, and they were each uh-huh. sent to different kingdoms to, like, be raised. Um, Isn't that what Hamlet does, too? I think so. Yeah, yeah so I, I get, I'm assuming that was, like, a thing for monarchs. Guess that's the thing. Yeah, so Isabella is now married to Don Pedro of Much Ado About Nothing. That's fine. Yeah, Benedict and some other sir guy. I haven't read Much Ado About Nothing, but they make a very, very small cameo. I don't even think they have lines. Uh, Don Pedro does. I know. I know. I know that's your favorite Shakespeare play. For the record, yes, it is my favorite. (laughs) Yeah. So she's married to Don Pedro, and so she's like out of the country. And then Aeschylus didn't come back until like his dad died. Mm -hmm. And then he's, yeah, we'll get to that. Do Uh, other uh, people from Shakespeare make cameos in this? Are there like cute references to other? uh, There is. There is. at one point, Benvolio and Rosalind talk to a gravedigger whose cousin uh, is in the Hamlet world. He's like, yeah, my cousin uh, works for the Danes, and he's uh, more impressive than me because he buries kings and queens. And Cool. Yeah, so it's like a wink-wink camera. Okay, that's cute. I yeah. Like yeah. Um, so Rosalind, that's pretty much her circumstances. 
and she's uh, very sarcastic and witty and clever and beautiful uh, but she's also like the most level-headed of her family like at one point it said of her that Rosalind could not be made angry unless she chose to be quite possibly the only Capulet ever born with such control <laughs> um, then you have Prince Aeschylus who is the ruler of Verona like I said and he feels like a failure for not preventing the bloodshed and he's in love with Rosalind because they were kind of childhood sweethearts like she had a big crush on him uh, like she cried when he left and then she was like I'll cry every day like it's like a memory she was like six years old but she was uh, they're like like six and twelve and she's like I'll cry every day until you come back to wed me or whatever but he's like kept tabs on her in the meantime and he like sees what a respectable lady she is so he, she uh-huh. kind of still he kind of still carries a torch for her um, okay so that's interesting so she you think they're gonna end up together because they have that childhood connection but then somebody else unwillingly catches her eye yeah we'll get to that it's it's interesting how this all i'm ready for it yes uh (laughs) so he sets up the love triangle and gets the plot moving uh Uh, also a cute detail he used to call rosalind my lady thorn because she's named after the rose but she's very sassy so he always Mm -hmm. called her my lady thorn and at one point she's thinking like i wonder if he even remembers those days and then at one point they're arguing and he goes peace my lady thorn um and then you've got benvolio who, like I said, is the cousin and bestie of Romeo. And at the beginning of the book, he's in mourning for his two be- dead best friends, Romeo and Mercutio, because the three of them grew up together. And he's always been level-headed, and, but, like, strong and, like, put together. But he's kind of wondering what the point of being that way is now because he's the last one left and he's just tired of this bullshit feud. And I really okay. felt for him because I, I was like... If you and Kerrigan were to die both at the same time suddenly and I'd be the last one, like, I would be absolutely devastated. Like, my entire world would be shook. So, like, I feel for him having these feelings of, like, fuck, I'm the only one left and what's the point? And, yeah. Yeah, every time... All right, whatever. I started it. Every time I visit my grandmother, she always talks about, like, the two people she talks to. And she's like, yep, I'm just the only one left. She always sounds so sad about it. And I'm like, this is why I don't visit you more often. I'm very depressing. (laughs) I'm the meanest person alive. Well, your grandma's a very mean person. She's not very nice to me. But I always... I reconcile it with the fact that I have enough hobbies and I have enough things to keep me company and like I I know how to keep myself busy Mm -hmm. that if nobody ever spoke to me after the age of 50 then I'd be okay with it so that's why I feel like it's okay for me to be mean to old people (laughs) but I'm not mean I'm very nice she just you judge her from afar she yes exactly thank you Mm -hmm. I still go visit Shit, I was supposed to visit her Friday. <laughs> okay, anyway, we won't talk about my terribleness anymore. <laughs> Alex and I are both drinking wine, so we're very yes. we're going to get increasingly loose-lipped. <laughs> I, was, I was going to mention it at the end, but it is delightful. So it's called True Myth from uh, Trader Joe's, if you are interested. Yes. Again, they have not sponsored us, yes. but someone Delightful should. red wine. I don't like red wine. Alex is slowly trying to get me to enjoy red wine. <laughs> it's all I'll bring into the house. Because <laughs> I can't drink white. It's too sweet. <laughs> so, into the thick of the novel. Um, we've got, right before the, everything like really sets off, you've got Rosalind and Benvolio's meet cute air quotes, mm-hmm. which is she has been summoned to her uh, 
uncle's house and she thinks she can make it alone safely like there's a guy who's like a servant who's willing to chaperone her there and she's like whatever i can make it it's fine and i can stop by juliet's grave and of course famous last words um so she winds up in the middle of a capulet montague skirmish in a graveyard because somebody has written harlot on juliet's statue uh that's dark yeah oh 14 don't touch her yeah it gets increasingly dark so benvolio happens to be walking by at the same time and he comes to her rescue and she tends to his wounds and they've definitely got chemistry uh but it all goes to hell uh once he realizes who she is i will say first of all before he rescues her so he's she's being accosted by his benvolio's cousin orlino and he is super intense like at one point she's just trying to like literally crawl away and not be noticed and he grabs her by her hair and is going to carve harlot into her face with his sword whoa before benvolio intervenes and benvolio takes all five people including his own cousins down um does he kill them all no he just just knocks them out like yeah like incapacitates them they realize that he's not to be fucked with and he leaves uh so then Rosalind and Benvolio have a uh they have like this really cute flirty banter um so he's gotten like nicked on the arm so she's um attending to it he's like oh it's nothing and then she's like well haha you know women are supposed to hate blood so you need to let me clean this up and he says a lady of your beauty is right welcome to swoon into my arms whenever you wish and um and then he says you swim not you seem not like a lady given much to swooning anyway from what i've seen and then she said not much sir swooning stains one gown with earth and then he says but not if one is one is there to catch you lady so they're like flirting and getting along really well uh and then um he makes a comment about like basically her cousins being at fault for the skirmish and then she's like starts getting sassy with him and then he immediately uh, apologizes and then she starts apologizing that's like you know we both hate this feud and here we are perpetuating it by arguing so it's like okay let's start again and he bows to her and he's like hey i'm benvolio and she curtsies um and says she's rosalind and then he flips his shit because he uh basically screams at her that it's her fault for not accepting romeo because (laughs) yeah because and he says it's her fault that everything happened because if she had accepted romeo's affections like things would have happened differently and then uh, that could be said about literally any point yeah and also like women are not obligated to accept yeah okay we're going down the same path. I don't want her with the boy. Yeah. <laughs> this is his, like, yeah, one bad moment, I feel like. Uh, yeah, okay. Which is also... Know, everybody can be perfect. Yeah, and also he's largely speaking out of grief. They come back to this later. Uh, but what really gets her is um, he says, like, it's your fault for not accepting Romeo, and it's Juliet's fault for not keeping her legs closed, and uh, Rosalind slaps him, <laughs> as she Good. should and um so he so they're like okay basically like good day and then he's like well you know you're a lady alone i should at least escort you to where you're going and then she's like i would rather fucking die than go anywhere with you and then he's like okay fine so they part ways 
Uh, and then they there's like a comment about like, hopefully I never have to see them again, which mm-hmm. ha ha, of course, irony. So then there's surprise engagement. So Rosalind makes it to the Capulet house and Aeschylus winds up being there and they're basically told that uh, she has to wed a Capulet or a Montague. She has wait, to- wait, wait. So Sir Aeschylus escalates the situation yeah (laughs) i'm here all night (laughs) yeah so escalus is there and is like hey to end this feud um you guys need to marry each other we need to wed because they're like you know erecting statues isn't good enough like already there's like you know continued flames and yeah so it's like i need to actually marry you guys together and what a batshit idea uh-huh yeah <laughs> that's clearly the next step yeah so rosalind and benfolio are like what i'm not gonna marry them they're awful um and like at, there's even like benfolio you were cool with this plan and he says that he consented to marry a maid not a harpy uh mm-hmm. and then she's like you know fuck this as well uh, oh, and also the reason, because Rosalind has a little sister named Livia, and the way they hand wave it as to why it has to be Rosalind to marry into the Montagues and not Livia is because Rosalind is, again, the level-headed one. Like, it says that uh, Liv- Juliet started a bloodbath, Livia would start a war, just because she's so sharp-tongued, which Rosalind is sharp-tongued too, but she knows when to rein it in, yeah. and Livia does not. Um so they basically try to threat Aeschylus basically tries to uh threaten Rosalind into marrying Benvolio because she she's like you can't make me marry him and then he's like true but I can make it so that you can't marry another and then she's like ha you y'all played yourselves because I want to be a nun (laughs) you can't marry Jesus (laughs) uh so then she's like haha peace out and leaves um and she gets kind of mad at Aeschylus too because she she addresses him really informally uh like she just calls him Aeschylus instead of your grace and it's like please don't make me do this and he's like you're being too informal madam and then later he like chases after and he's like please uh you know we were friends once and then uh she says something else and he calls her too informal again and she's like dude you can't like call his friends in one instant and then like treat me like some random subject like yeah yeah like consistency no hypocrisy but she's basically like peace out I'm that gonna be is difficult it's kind of like being friends with your boss now yeah where like sometimes they have to draw a line you're like well we've already crossed a lot of them so it seems arbitrary and hard to follow what you want you yeah yeah that could be difficult yeah so anyway she decides to try to avoid the engagement so first she pretends that she's sick so that way like nobody's allowed in her house because they're sick (laughs) yeah exactly but Aeschylus sends Isabella knowing that she can persuade Rosalind to attend an upcoming ball and Rosalind is like this is perfect because me and Livia can leave town and be Isabella's ladies-in-waiting but Aeschylus kind of figures that out, that that's her plan on his own. And he gets her to the ball and he puts a stop to it uh, by blackmailing her, actually, into <laughs> being engaged to Benvolio. So what he does is at the ball, he takes her into his study and gets her drunk 
which he his plan was merely to get her distracted so she couldn't return to the ball uh but he gets her drunk and uh this is kind of skeezy of him like she she's drunk and she actually she confesses her love that she had of him and then kisses him and then Mm -hmm. he kisses her even though she's too drunk to consent really but then he stops it and then he carries it to his bed to sleep it off and she goes to sleep on the couch um and then she wakes up the next day and then she's like oh my god he's like don't worry it's fine it was all like chased and everything and then he's like but no one's gonna believe it was oh no he's like i'll just tell everybody that you spent the night uh with my sister isabella because everybody knows your friends she's like oh my god thank you so much and then he was like but i'll only do that if you marry benvolio uh because she doesn't mind so much about her reputation but if her reputation gets thrown in the drain so does livia's and she wants you know livia to um you know marry well and stuff so um so what's her face Rosalind realizes that he's planned this and that he's literally blackmailing her into marrying Benvolio uh so she's really pissed but she consents to it because what else is she going to do and this shatters I know he's so cute (laughs) our cat is carrying a mouse toy a tiny mouse toy and he's just so proud of himself the most cute Mm. (laughs) (laughs) so this incident uh, shatters Rosalind's hero worship of Aeschylus and then you know she uh, leaves and is engaged to Benvolio also worth noting at the ball Benvolio and Rosalind did have a nice moment because Orlino randomly grabbed her and made her dance with him and he was being like really abusive and like squeezing her hands too hard and like stomping on her feet and Benvolio like cut in and like (laughs) yeah helped her and they traded barbs and it was very cute um this book is bizarre <laughs> so orlino is very intense <laughs> so we get into the detective duo you didn't know you needed rosalind and Benvolio. so there is a public announcement of the capulet and montague union union yes and orlino strikes again so he's putting he's masked at the time and he's driving a cart that has these burning effigies of a bride and a groom (laughs) and he's screaming death to Capulets death to Montagues Uh, yeah this scene I think is actually in the series if I remember correctly Uh, so it actually it starts a riot Uh, (laughs) uh, and Rosalind uh, almost gets caught up in it Benvolio uh, saves her um why does he keep having to save her i'm irritated by that we'll get to that uh she does get a chance to save him later yeah i know at the first she's very damselly uh i do appreciate though i'm fine with a damsel in distress i get that but it seems maybe it's just because you're telling me it like in a shortened version but it seems like every other scene is her getting into trouble and having to be saved yeah this is the third time (sighs) it's a lot yeah i don't know that i like that yeah whoa shit it flips later uh so um where was i oh so he keeps her uh from like falling into the riot and then he chases after the guy who like did it because he's like you know jumped on a roof and he chases after him and winds up being orlino and they start um fighting and orlino has the upper hand at one point and pimpolio is like hanging off the side of the building 
and then Rosalind arrives, throws a shoe at Orlino that hits him in the head, and it gives Benvolio just enough time that he can get back in his bearings and or feed Orlino. So in that case, that's where Rosalind saves Benvolio. Um, All right. Yeah, and Orlino falls off the roof. And I do like that even though they don't like each other, there's this mutual respect and care for each other's well-being. Um, so I like that's called being a human being. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but sometimes it's more like cookie cutter, um, <laughs> and like sometimes I feel like books do too hard to make it black and white, and it's be like, well, fuck what happens to them, and they're oh yeah, okay, fair enough. Yeah, and she's like going out of her way to like make sure because she like could have just let him do her thing, and like she even after he's fine and Orlino's fallen off the roof she like comes up and then she's like make sure he's able to get down safely uh she's sprained her ankle so she has to like lean against him as they go down uh and then they decide um at this point she decides that we need to figure out who is instigating this because Orlino implied that he was working for somebody because they're like somebody is purposefully instigating because this because you know Orlino said death to the Capulets and Montague so they're this whole thing with like uh, Juliet's statue being graffitied and everything like somebody is trying to keep us fighting each other Um, and so they decide well Rosalind was like we need to end this feud organically that way we don't have to marry each other Um, and then they have like cute like banter because she says he says very well sweet unloved bride what are we to do and she says well detested husband firstly uh which is very much their dynamic which i love um like at one point they're trying to think of clues and then she's like well he's obviously the masked person uh like that there's an there's another masked man that wasn't orlino um that's been like going about and they're like it has to be somebody who oh that's right orlino dies uh because he didn't die falling off the roof but he was killed afterwards by this like masked vigilante and like okay who are the people this could be and rosalind's like well there are only certain people like he almost defeated you in combat and you're the best swordsman in verona and there can't be a lot of people that are that good and he's kind of like preening at this uh and then she's like dude i didn't mean to compliment you and then he says he's all the more flattered by praise from one who had rather tear out her own tongue than ascribe to me any virtue um which again i like the like vitriolic state of their uh flirtation like um she points out the obvious to him and then he just goes harpy and then she says clot pole and then they move on um so then they go and visit rosalind's great aunt to see what she might know and this is when she finds out that Aeschylus has been financing her in Libya. There is no merchant that's in their old house. Oh. Yeah. Uh, so, again, more points for Aeschylus. Um, and so she's, like, really overwhelmed by it because she's also wondering, like, if he had told me he'd been doing this, like, out of sense of obligation, I would have done anything he asked. So, like, why did he do this, like, really dirty trick of, like, making it or basically making me trade my reputation for this um so she is really overwhelmed and so she leaves benvolio and she's like we'll meet later like we'll go dine we'll go get lunch now and then we'll meet again later and she goes back to her old house the Tarimo house um 
when she Benvolio finds her there because he figures that's where she was going. Um, and this is where you know more points for Benvolio or points for Benvolio. Um, finally, uh, he finds her there, and then she's like, uh, "I you know I said we meet up at two, and then he's like, "Yeah, it's like three now." And then he was like, did you have time to eat? And she's like, oh, shit, I forgot. And he's like, yeah, I figured that. And he, like, holds up a picnic basket. Um, and they have a chance to bond because he's asking about what happened to her dad. And so she tells him. And then she says, uh, thank you. She waved over their repast. This was kind. And he says, we Montagues know what it is to be subject to the prince's whim. Forgetting meals is the least of it. He tossed a cherry in the air, caught it in his mouth, and grinned at her around the stem. I still hate thee deadly, of course. And then she stuck out her tongue. Of course. So this is when they're finally starting to become, like, actual friends. Mm -hmm. uh, and then later he walks her home, and they debate if her aunt is involved in the conspiracy because, like, something happened where they think that's the case. Uh, and then this is where they come to terms with the Romeo thing. Uh, she like mentions like you know like I genuinely thought I was doing well by refusing I'm like I thought it could only end to bad things and mm -hmm. it says he doesn't say anything but he uh squeezes her arm like comfortingly and then she kind of like checks herself because she's like embarrassed that she cares about getting his forgiveness and she's kind of like you know why do I care about him so much and so he leaves her at the door and she he clearly wants to say something but he doesn't and then she surprises him by kissing him on the cheek and then she's like night Benvolio and like leaves and then he's like you know really surprised <laughs> said you look shitty yeah. <laughs> yeah um and then she he notices Aeschylus who's riding nearby and they kind of like side-eye each other and then Benvolio's like why is he side-eyeing me like he wanted us to get along and marry each other but whatever um is he the villain <laughs> no oh. uh I'll get to the villain uh so Benvolio is then framed for kill it, it's basically a repeat well it's kind of like Romeo and Juliet except Benvolio didn't actually kill anybody mm -hmm. uh so Benvolio is framed for killing Gramio Capulet because um his name is Gromeo? Gromeo? Gramio? <laughs> I don't know. G-R-A-M-E-O. It's not a great name. So what happens... Gromeo and Gromeo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Truccio Montague is killed. Uh, okay. And it and, and Gromeo is, like, bragging about it to Benvolio and, like, waving Truccio's sash in his face. He's like, ha ha, somebody killed Truccio. And this enrages Benvolio because Truccio was actually, like, a a really sweet kid um a kid he's like young young teens he's still yeah damn. yeah he's a little baby so that's why benvolio's pissed uh so he <laughs> i can kill 12 year olds yeah so dark Gr so gramio so he's fighting gramio uh and benvolio actually would have killed him like it says like gramio's poor swordsmanship is what saves his life because he like stumbles and it prevents him from getting like a sword in the heart and then there's something about Benvolio noticing the curls in his face and his curls are like Rosalind's and he has to check himself and be like, this is Rosalind's cousin. Mm -hmm. So he stops. But then the masked bandit guy shows up, uh, <laughs> kills uh, Gramio, and then with, uh, 
what's his face's uh, Benvolio's sword, and Benvolio's going to like take the sword out, and then of course that's when somebody's but somebody stumbles by and he's like, oh, "You murdered him!" And he's like, "What? No!" And then it says like Benvolio realized later that if he had just like waited it out and explained things to the prince, like things would have shaken out differently. Sure. <laughs> I'm imagining. Like a Monty Python and the Holy Grail situation where the masked bandit like rides up on a horse, grabs the sword, stabs him, and then rides off without like breaking his stride. Yeah, no. <laughs> he actually gets down, he fights Benvolio, and then goes and kills uh, Grameo. So, uh, next thing you know, Rosalind and her sister are called into the... Um, Capulet house are like you know we're barricading all our family the Montagues are you know doing open warfare and uh, Aeschylus comes by and is like I am so sorry that I made you engage to this guy clearly he's an asshole <laughs> and he's a murderer yeah and Rosalind's like really Benvolio and she like refuses to like assist them and they're like where is Benvolio and she like she genuinely doesn't know but also she's like uh, like I'm not doing this uh and then, uh, oh, Aeschylus confesses his feelings for her here. And they almost kiss, but then they're interrupted. Mm -hmm. And then Rosalind is very confused because she's like, this is what I've always wanted. And clearly, like, he'll probably ask my hand of marriage. And then at first point, she's like, I would absolutely, like, if he asked me tomorrow, I'm going to say yes. Uh, but then she's still confused about it. And she can't figure out why. Oh. Uh, <laughs> And then another nod to Romeo and Juliet. So Rosalind is sleeping in Juliet's old room. And um, Benvolio climbs up the ivy and is like, Psst, hey! <laughs> and again, this is one of those things. It's like a plot point uh, that doesn't make sense, but it moves the plot forward. Uh -huh. Where he's basically, he's like, look, we need to go visit Friar Lawrence. Because they, they talked to Friar Lawrence earlier. And they've basically surmised that he knows more than he's letting on. But, uh, is he the masked bandit? No. <laughs> I'll get okay. to that soon. <laughs> uh, I've left out a subplot that I actually skipped. and I skipped most of the, their scenes in my reread because I didn't give a shit about them. But uh, uh, So Friar Lawrence, for his part in the Robeo and Juliet debacle, was banished from Verona. So now he's in like an out-of-city mon monastery. Mm -hmm. So... Uh, Benvolio tells Rosalind, like, we need to go talk to Friar Lawrence. And she, he's like, and you need to come with me. Um, okay. Before you get to the killer, stop, because I want to make another guess. Uh -huh. But continue. Okay. Uh, <laughs> so he says, Rosalind, he whispered, cupping her face in his hands. You must trust me, sweet friend. You must, I beg you. Uh, mm -hmm. And so she decides that, okay, I'll go with you. Uh, and then, so Livia is also sleeping in the same room with her. So all she mm -hmm. sees is this supposed murderer absconding over the wall with her sister. So she freaks out, goes yeah. to the Capulets, and is like, Benvolio kidnapped my sister. <laughs> uh, and so they're all freaking out. Uh, Aeschylus, and they're, they're basically thinking that he's like ravishing Rosalind right now. And just like running around the countryside <laughs> committing crime. So... Um, <laughs> Uh, so Rosalind and Benvolio, uh, while they're riding to the monastery, they have more acute bickering. Um, they fight at one point because she's basically telling him, like, when we find out who did this, like, you need to surrender them to the king's justice. Like, you can't just kill them. And he wants to kill them. Uh, no killing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so they, like, fight and she avoids him all day. 
and he <laughs> says, uh, they camp in angry silence. And then finally she like comes to him and then she says, they pardon, she murmured. I am oft told my scorn is roused too easily. He smirked. Why? Who has slandered my lady's sweet and gentle tongue? So, uh, so they kind of like laugh it off. And then she also explains like, like when her father died and stuff, how hard it was. And then he like understands from her standpoint. Cause she's like, nobody thinks of wives and daughters in this feud. Like we're like stuck with the aftermath. Like you guys just go killing each other and we're stuck dealing with the pieces. Mm, that's fair. Yeah. So it, uh, it checks him. Uh, and she says, what is it that she says to him? Um, thou art the best of them, Benvolio. Wise and strong and slow to anger. I pray to God to keep thee so. Uh, so then they go to sleep and they're camping on the ground and she is, she's never slept in the wild. So she's like freaking out at every twig. And then he, she's like, she says, is it a highwayman? She hissed. Benvolio's sleepy chuckle drifted across the fire. Tis a rabbit lady. Oh, she settled back down. Art thou certain? Benvolio heaved himself up, dragged his cloak around the fire, resettling himself a few feet behind her. There, he said, now any highwayman or villainous rabbits will meet my blade ere they encounter thee. Which is really sweet and cute. And then, of course, they have a sleep cute when he wakes up the next morning and they've come closer together in the middle of the night and their, like, arms are around each other. Bullshit. <laughs> so, um, I'm about to reveal the killer. So okay, so my other guess is that it is the ghost of Romeo come back to exact his revenge on the families that made them kill themselves and wouldn't accept them. No, but you are on the right track hell yeah uh, okay so there is a subplot okay. where Livia who is angry that Rosalind she finds out Rosalind wants to be a nun and it's like you are planning to leave me like what the fuck and so she goes to the Capulet house one day uh, and then sees some sketchy shit with the nurse and so she follows the nurse and it turns out <gasps> is the nurse the killer it's not the nurse but Nurse and Lady Capulet are nursing back to health Paris. Oh, um, okay. Who, as you know, and people who've read Romeo and Juliet know, Paris is the guy that Juliet was engaged to, and yeah. uh, who she was supposed to marry instead of Romeo, and he's also cousin to the prince. That was, uh, what's his face with the blue polarad? Yes. Right? Yes. In Yes, so it turns out that he was alive and, like, essentially bleeding to death, and everybody thought he was dead, so they weren't paying attention to him, but Lady Capulet... They weren't paying attention. Yeah, but Lady Capulet found him, nursed him back to health, but she's been doing it in secret because she didn't want anybody to know he was alive, Uh, so he and Livia fall in love, Uh, but it turns out that... um, So Lady Capulet is mad at the prince, uh basically blaming him for everything that's happened uh and paris is also mad so they basically hatch this plot to they want to bring down the montagues and also um the monarchy in general well paris wants to become the new king of verona essentially so their plan is essentially that they're building up the feud again because if Verona is occupied with a civil war they won't know to, they won't be prepared for Paris's forces that he's been gathering okay yeah um but not all is quite um revealed right away it's like revealed in pieces so uh with Rosalind gone and Livia's freaking out 
Paris decides that, okay, it's time to reveal that I'm alive. So he goes to the prince and is like, I will find this Rosalind chick for you. Have no fear. I'll bring back Benvolio. Um, Do they know it's Paris when he rides up or does he conceal his identity? No, he knows it's Paris. He's like, you know, I'm alive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they don't know at this point that he's the mask, he's the mask guy. Um, so what else going on? So they go to a monastery. Oh, uh, Benvolio goes to the monastery and Friar Lawrence has like taken a vow of silence and won't see Benvolio. And Rosalind is like, claim sanctuary so they have to let you in and I'll go to the the whatever you call the nun- the nunnery uh I'll go to the nunnery like you know a few ways down um so they don't make a lot of progress with Friar Lawrence although Benvolio sees that he's keeping a diary that like he reads a bit of and surmises that I think they still think it's um the great aunt of Rosalind. Um, so he goes back to um, the nunnery, uh, which that's really cute too, because uh, the late the head nun is like, "We'll have none of that," and she's like, "What we'll are you talking about?" Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're still here all night. <laughs> You can only join this nunnery if you know how to make puns. <laughs> but she sees Benvolio and is like, we just got a heads up from the monastery. He's been kicked out of there. You're a chaste young lady. Mm-hmm. You you know, we'll find a suitable chaperone for you. And they're like looking at Benvolio. Like he's like outside through the window. And like Rosalind looks at him and then he sees them looking and he just waves, which I imagine him just looking like mm-hmm. such a fucking dumbass. Right. Like, and then she's like, what, Benvolio? Benvolio's fine. <laughs> and like, uh, oh, and when he first uh, pops up, because uh, she's thinking of how boring the nunnery is, because she's doing like nun jobs and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> As nuns do. <laughs> yeah. And she's like, man, this is actually really boring. And okay. then he. Speaking of boring, though, would you tell everyone <laughs> your view of Sister Act? I can't remember what my view of Sister Act was. I said, you've never seen Sister Act as a Catholic? And you said, I just can't imagine it would be very interesting to watch a movie about nuns. <laughs> Which is very funny to me. I know that you have no idea why. But it's not. <laughs> That's not the plot of okay. it. Okay. would be the. Well, why would that be a beloved classic? <laughs> Anyway, I lost my mind, and I think I've told everyone I know that you said that. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, I thought it was a more nuanced. I was like, I was just going to say it was the Whoopi Goldberg nun movie. (laughs) (laughs) That's your view of it, and I love that. We do have to change it soon, but I can't tell you anything about it. (laughs) <laughs> Goldberg's a nun. Why do I want to watch two hours? <laughs> uh, yeah, but she's like, whatever. I'm leaving with Benvolio. Oh, but when he first popped up, he was like, hey, isn't this really boring? And then she's like, shut up. No, it's not. And then she thinks to herself, like, I literally just thought this, but whatever. I can't give him the satisfaction. She's me. Uh, yeah, and he says, <laughs> what is it that he says? He says something. Um, 
I think the much prettier without a coating of dirt. He reached out a thumb, wiping at the side of her forehead. So again, they're being cute and flirty. Uh, and then he basically tells her to like go back to Italy, and he she says that um, there is no safer place in Italy for me than at thy side. Uh, so they still are, need to figure out what's up. But then they stay the night at an inn, and then is there only one bed? Sadly, no. Although okay. she does, they get two different rooms. But she does walk in on him when he's dressing because mm. she she knocks and he's like, "Come in," because he thinks it's like a servant and it's her. And they're like, "Oh, good." Um, so that's their typical uh, tropey thing mm-hmm. uh, is her seeing him nearly naked. Uh, <laughs> and then Paris's people show up and they're like, "Hey, we're looking for this guy." Uh, and they wind up getting caught, both of them. And um, what happens is is they capture both of them and uh, Rosalind is told by Paris what's going to go on about how he's going to like usurp Aeschylus and how he's in love with Livia and blah 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 and she realizes like this guy is crazy <laughs> I need to do something about this um, yeah her yeah. little sister has bad taste in me. yeah and so Benvolio, meanwhile, is freaking out because, like, Rosalind's worried they're going to kill Benvolio. Benvolio, meanwhile, is scared because he's like, they have a reason to keep me alive uh, because um, it'll help Paris's suit if, you know, I look like this crazy murderer and anything I say about, hey, he's got this army that's coming for you, I'll just look crazy. It'll make Paris look great. But Rosalind is a loose end because she is actually well respected by the prince and Mm -hmm. yada yada and so like they have no reason not to kill Rosalind uh so oh shit I left out their big kiss scene so at one point when they're fleeing Paris and co she her her horse goes crazy or whatever like there's a clap of thunder and she's not able to get uh rain on her horse and um rain her horse in in the rain ha 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 God, we're all about the terrible puns tonight. <laughs> I was like, I didn't even catch that one. I just think this is a batshit plot point. <laughs> yeah. So, like, she, the horse, like, falls off a cliff into a river. And he's freaking. <laughs> this book is amazing. It's so crazy. What? <laughs> I love this book. It's so bad shit. I love it. <laughs> right. Uh, so, the, so he's freaking out. He's like, Rosalind! And then he's freaking out because, like, the horse gets lost in the river, of course. Uh-huh. Poor horse. Uh, but then he looks <laughs> and she's managed to, like, land on an outcro- uh, outcropping. And so he helps her up. And then he's, like, just so grateful that he, she's alive that they kiss, like, really passionately. Uh-huh. And then they feel weird about it. And that's when they go to the ho- the inn. And they're, uh-huh. like, being super awkward about it. Okay. Uh, but then that's when they're caught by Paris's people. So uh, Rosalind <laughs> winds up getting tied up. Um with Paris, she she tells uh, Benvolio, she's like, yeah, uh, I had to convince him like I was crazy so that he would tie me up too. And she's like, and then it's like she says something like, I came at him with a knife. She said proudly, and then he's awesome. like, what the fuck? You're gonna get yourself killed. So when he comes to actually, she's uh, using her feet to try and get the dagger that he has at his hip, and then of course they're like grazing his thigh, and he's like, oh god, <laughs> and he's like freaking out. 
Uh, but she, he, she managed to get both of them loose. That's how kinks are formed. Yeah, and they're going <laughs> through the camp, and he's thinking of this desperate plan because he's like, I need to get her out of here. And then they're almost out, and then he's like, oh, maybe I won't have to do this crazy plan. But then, of course, they hear, like, the prisoner's gone, and he's like, oh, fuck. And so then uh, he kisses Rosalind really hard and throws her on his horse and, like, makes it take off. And then he distracts Paris and co. So he basically sacrifices himself for her. Uh, then, meanwhile, um, she decides to... Um, that she needs to get that diary of Friar Lawrence's. Mm-hmm. Uh, so she dresses... She's got... The horse still has... Benvolio spare clothes so in a very Shakespearean way she pretends to be a dude because it's safer to be a dude alone than a woman so she pretends that she's a dude she gets in his clothes and then goes back to the monastery and pretends to be like a wayward youth so she can get Mm -hmm. access to everything she winds up getting uh Friar Lawrence's diary uh and also Paris revealed all the plans uh so they realized that monologuing yeah, villain monologuing. Yeah, so he revealed all his plans. And so they thought, um, they thought, because they knew it was a woman who was involved in the plot, but again, they thought it was the great aunt. Hmm. Uh, and then there was a mention in the diary of an L, so they thought it was uh, Lucillus or whatever, who hmm. was the servant of the Duchess. But Lucillus, the L is actually Lavinia, lady, who, which is Lady Capulet's first name. So that's how they figure out, oh, shit, it's her. Um, and Friar Lawrence wasn't helping them because he only learned all of this through confession. So, and uh, priests aren't allowed to reveal, yeah, um, what they heard in confession. And so he's just trying to, like, fuck this, I'm done. And Benvolio and Rosalind are really pissed because they're like, you have the chance to, like, help and you won't. Uh, so she's that's act- kind of shitty to put him in that position, though. Yeah, I know. Especially for a wannabe nun. Mm-hmm. Well, she she's basically not going to be a nun at this point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, when she even thought to herself, like originally, like if Escalus was like the only dude who could get her to not be a nun. Mm-hmm. Um, but then another dude comes along. So basically, any dude. <laughs> Not we'll Romeo. Get in between her and Jesus. <laughs> Terrible woman. Uh, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, not Romeo, but he's 14 and way too intense for anything. Yeah, fair. Um, so she's actually caught by Friar Lawrence as she's stealing the diary. Uh, and he's really mad at her. But then he noticed that she's he, he sketched out Bimbolio, Romeo, and Mercutio as boys. And she kind of mm. just grabbed it out of spite because she's like, he doesn't deserve to be like remembering them well when he won't do anything <laughs> to help them. Uh, and then he sees that drawing and then it, it like guilts him. And he's like, you know what? Go. Uh, so she leaves. Uh, meanwhile, Paris takes Aeschylus to the camp and is like, look, I've caught Benvolio the murderer of course Benvolio's like you know he's lying he's you know the reason for all this and Aeschylus is like you know they're beating him up really bad and he's like tell me where Rosalind is and he won't uh and is like screaming about how he ruined Rosalind uh because they again think that she's been like raped and left to die somewhere and so Mm -hmm. uh, Aeschylus is um yelling about uh, how now you have ruined her and 
Benvolio says, no man could ruin her. She is the wisest, bravest, best of ladies. I had rather cut off my hand before using it to outrage for fair Rosalind. And then uh, Aeschylus mocks him for like loving or falling in love with her. And then that's when he realizes like, my grace, have you? Like, and then they're like, you know, we both love her essentially. Um, but they still think he's a murderer. And so they're going to uh, execute him publicly. And mm-hmm. Paris is like, hey, you should do it with like all the gates open so everybody can come see and of course that's when he's gonna slip in with his people so uh Aeschylus is going to his death uh and he is like you know I one of the you're gonna realize soon that I was innocent and I hope you guys can come together and like you know fight evil and shit uh and so he's, evil and shit. yeah <laughs> except you know in Shakespeare that verbatim uh, and so he's just about to die and get his head cut off, essentially. And he's thinking to himself, uh, you know, I'm glad Rosalind's not here to see this, but I do wish I could have seen her one last time. And he's even praying, like, you know, God, take care of my Rosalind. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, that's when Rosalind arrives, 11th hour, and throws herself on him to make sure, like, to double make sure they don't chop his head off. And then she starts uh, yelling about, you know, who's all behind the plot and how she's found it and she realizes she doesn't sound legit because like one she's a lady in men's clothes and two she's (laughs) like look i've got this diary from uh, a priest and they're like did he give it to you and she's like "Mm, no i stole it (laughs) doesn't mean it's any less legit yeah so she she doesn't have the best credit but then uh, livia shows up because livia also visited the camp Mm -hmm. and paris told her his plot and i'm gonna make you my queen and sorry Rosalind ran away and left quitted Verona forever and so like she's trying to explain that or what's her name Rosalind is trying to explain that um Lady Capulet and Paris are the bad guys mm-hmm. uh and they're basically like she's mad like that's the tale they're spinning it's like obviously she went crazy by what Benvolio did to her so she can't be trusted and then Livia shows up and is like hey it's true and she holds up Paris's mask uh, and then Lady Capulet stabs Livia uh, for being a little traitor. Uh, and then it all interrupts into chaos. Paris pieces out to go get his army. Uh, they apprehend Lady Capulet. Uh, Livia's at death's door. She pulls through. Spoiler oh, okay. Uh, she does tell Rosalind that um, Paris told me thou hadst fled Verona forever. Tis how I knew he lied. Thou wouldst not leave me so without a word. So that's what caused her to turn against him. Because she was tempted by the idea of being queen of Verona with this guy she Don't loves. you mean princess? Because there are no queens. Yes. Yes. I, you're... So he lied even again? <laughs> <laughs> well, they use prince and princess. I just oh, have a hard time oh, not okay. saying king and queen. <laughs> uh... So then they're, like, engaging in a battle plan for how to go against Paris's forces. And mm-hmm. Benvolio is there. And, like, Aeschylus is like, sorry. And I know you're really, like, beaten up and not in good shape. But I need you. And Benvolio's <laughs> like, whatever. I'm there. Uh, and Rosalind comes in. And they're thanking her. The prince is thanking her for um, formally for helping her save, for helping save Verona. And she knows this is being stiffly formal. And she's like, he's really hurt because I left with him, Benvolio, essentially, mm. after what passed between us. Okay, well, fuck him. He doesn't deserve her. Which one? Aeschylus? Yeah. 
He blackmailed her into it. Yeah. He doesn't get to decide anything. For yeah. Uh, there is a cute one. Again, you love a good wink. I do love uh, a good wink. So she... They were waiting for her in the chamber below. So she comes down um, and it's like she's acknowledging like these are her two suitors. And it says both looked up as she descended to them. The prince's gaze was solemn but questioning. Benvolio, on the other hand, offered her a quick grin and winked behind the prince's back. Uh, Enjoy that. Yeah. Uh, And this is when he's being super formal. And then she's like, oh, he's hurt because I left with uh, with Benvolio. Um. And they go to talk, uh, and then Aeschylus is being really tender with her. He kisses her on the forehead, and then is like, look, we'll talk about all this later. Because she's like, thou didst flee with him. And then she's like, hey. And then he's like, you know, we'll talk about this later. We need to think of the war. Uh, And then he leaves. uh, And then she looks at Benvolio, and he's just watched what happened. And then she's like, oh, yeah, she's in love with the prince. So he's, like, awkward with her, too, and just, like, nods at her and leaves. And then she looks down when they're leaving and they're both in their armor and she tosses her handkerchief down uh, and she doesn't see who catches it. Um, <laughs> so then there's a battle in Verona. They all fight. Uh, Capulet and Montague even make amends and they fight together. They're ultimately able to... Um, well, he does achieve his goal to end the or to end the feud one way or another. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Aeschylus, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so um, they all fight together. It's looking pretty bad, but then luckily uh, Don Pedro from Much Ado About Nothing arrives because one of them, a lot of uh, what's his face is Paris is mercenaries because a lot of his army is mercenaries, mm-hmm. and they a lot of them like they expected an easy win, mm-hmm. uh, but they had time to like mount their defenses. So a lot of them just turned tail and left. And they caught some of them, like Don Pedro's people did, and they were like, oh, Verona's in trouble. My brother-in-law's in trouble. So, like, he leave, he comes yeah. in with, like, Sir Benedict and some other character from Much Ado About Nothing, and they lend their forces and are able to take everybody down. And Benvolio's able to face Paris one last time. Uh, and what saves him, or uh, he's actually, he comes in pretending to be apprehended by two of Paris's men. But it, he tells them, he, he villain monologues or hero monologues because mm-hmm. he's like, can I give you one last word of advice before you kill me? Mm-hmm. And Paris is like, sure. And he's like, you need to, if you want to be a king, you need to know your people. And then that's, he's like, okay, release me. And it was like, so he had two Capulets and Paris's arms garb. And it's like, you know, like a true good king would know that these weren't his subjects. Mm-hmm. So then he fights uh, Paris. Paris almost kills him. Uh, well, he tells, but uh, the reason he's able to gain the upper hand is again Rosalind because he uh, mentions Rosalind. I think he's thinking about how Rosalind is lost to him because of Aeschylus, and then he's like, "I can use this to my advantage. I can make Aeschylus think that his love is lost to him." And then he's like, "You know, Lady Capulet stabbed Livia, the girl you love." And then, mm-hmm. he, so then he gets all like crazy about it and then Benvolio is able to get the upper hand and he is he does try to spare Paris's life because again he's thinking of Rosalind he's like Rosalind didn't want me to kill anybody uh but then uh what's his face uh Paris attacks him the last time and it fades to black and then you find out in the next scene that he has killed Paris 
Um, so it's in the it's in the weeks uh, ahead. Livia is slowly recuperating. She's mourning Paris. She understands that he was a bad guy, but she loved him and he did really love her. Um, so she's really depressed, and Rosalind is worried about her. And she's been spending a lot of time with the prince. She hasn't seen much of Benvolio because he's like been avoiding her, and she's like out of sorts about it. Uh, and the cat her, oh she and Livia are in good standing now because now the Capulets are like heaping gifts upon her and stuff largely because of Aeschylus's influence and Aeschylus comes by and gives her this beautiful white stallion uh and there's also a little in joke because earlier they were talking about how uh he would pull Isabella and Rosalind's hair so in uh retaliation they shaved his horse's mane which makes him look really stupid but the poor horse didn't do anything but whatever so to like make her laugh um he shaves his horse's mane and it's like look and it's like a call back to their childhood and so then he uh again mentions the fact that uh she um let's see where was it Okay, well, you look for that. I do wonder if they inserted this before uh, Much Ado About Nothing starts, because at the beginning, Dom Pedro, Benedict, and the third one that nobody ever remembers. I'm pretty sure he gets married, in the, but I don't like his plot. Anyway, they come, they're coming back from war. Mm-hmm. And that's well, I think it's after, thing. because Dom Pedro says something about, like, I know a thing or two about traitorous kinsmen. Oh. Is that a plot of Much Ado About Nothing? They're not kin. They just work in the same oh, gotcha. sphere. Hmm. Yeah, well, maybe. I don't know where I don't in the know. timeline. It's been a really long time since I've read Much Ado. Gotcha. Um, I should reread that. So she mentioned, so they go writing together, uh, Aeschylus and Rosalind. And he helps her dismount. Also, she's really good at riding horses. Like, she and Benvolio, like, race at one point, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then she helps her down, and she says, After all that had passed, it felt strange to be treated so gently. Benvolio had been chivalrous to a fault, but he treated her as a comrade. Aeschylus made her feel as delicate as a bit of porcelain. Um, all right. Yeah, so she's, like, just kind of thinking of that. And then he mentions... Uh, that she absconded with uh, Benvolio. Uh, and she says, Sweet, I have not asked thee what passed between thee and Signor Benvolio, and I never shall. Uh, so he's like, I'm not going to hold it against you, whatever happened between you two. Because again, she was an unwed lady and with an unwed man, and they like left together. Uh, so he's like, not going to hold that against you, but he does say, uh, Why didst thou need to go at all? Why not come to me? Which fair yeah uh and she doesn't want to say anything but he figures it out um and then she says thou didst not trust me and then she's like well yeah you forced me to broker my freedom for my virtue (laughs) fair enough uh everybody made mistakes yeah um so she's like he basically asks for her forgiveness and he says uh if thou wilt forgive me that transgression i'll forgive thee thy flight which Mm -hmm. You just said you weren't going to hold it against her, but and yet, yet, but whatever. So she asks him, he asks her to be his queen or his princess. Sorry. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Uh I'm going to keep you honest. Yeah. Um, 
And he asks her uh, to marry him. Uh, mm-hmm. And then she's like, wow, this is what I've always wanted. Uh, and then she, she's like, this is the man she longed to marry for most of her life. Finally, the turmoil she'd felt so long whenever she thought of him was calm. She knew her answer. And then it skips to another scene. So mm-hmm. obviously, you know, she's not picking him. Uh, and it goes to Benvolio and he's leaving uh, Verona. Because he keeps hearing rumors about how Shirley Esclis is going to ask that Rosalind Capulet to marry him soon. And so he's like, well, the Montagues need to check their holdings in other sittings. So I'm going to go on a year-long sojourn. Uh, And then... um, (laughs) Yeah, and then uh, Rosalind shows up to bid thee farewell. And they're being super awkward. Uh, And then she asks... She thanks him for saving her life. And he's like, well, you saved mine. And... and then she says, why didn't you come to see me? And he's like, why would I do that? And then she was like, you know, that's the polite thing to do. Yeah. Uh, and she says, here, I made this for you. It was finished weeks ago. I should have known better than to expect your attentions when you had no further need of me. She thrust this scrap of cloth at him. Here. He took it. It was a handkerchief embroidered with the Montague crest. Thanks. You're welcome. Go choke on it. And then she's like, what the he's thinking to himself like what the fuck does this woman want from me like Mm -hmm. she's about to go marry the prince why is she like still asking for my um intention so he tries to like put the handkerchief in his bag and then she's like when a woman gives you when you know when a lady gives you a gift you're supposed to wear it on your person so she like grabs her his sleeve uh and then it turns out he already has a handkerchief and it's the one she threw down earlier and then she's like she gasps and then he like closes his eyes he's like fuck i've been caught uh and then she's like you know why did you keep this and he's like you know why and um she's basically just like accept my love god damn yeah uh (laughs) he says uh because she says then wherefore hast thou in all outward behavior seemed to hate me how have i fallen so from thy favor and he whirled on her. What claim to my favors hast thou when thou art wed the prince? She frowned. Wed the prince? Who told thee so? Tis all Verona speaks of. As usual, Verona speaks not right. Uh, and then... She has a point. Yeah. And she says, Rosalind, he has scarce been seen out of thy company for a fortnight. And then she says, he he asked me. I had to refuse him. And then he she's like starting to get hope. And then she says, why? And then to fuck with him. She says, mm-hmm. she throws it back at him. And she says, thou knowest right well why. Which is what he just said. And then he swallows hard and grips her shoulders and he's like, please. And then she says, I could not wed him when I love another. And he says, oh, thank God. And then he (laughs) kisses her and they kiss really passionately for a really long time. And it mentions that um, they keep hearing the hoots of like passing peddlers. Mm -hmm. And then she stops him. Oh, no. He says, if I once more broach the subject of marriage, wilt thou scream to the heavens and march off to a nunnery? Uh and then she says, after thieving through Monteneva in your clothing, I'm quite certain no decent nunnery would have me. Uh, that's the point. Yeah. Remember Sister Agatha was having none of that shit earlier. <laughs> 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 uh, so she's, he says, like, Friar Lawrence will have another Montague and Capulet to marry then. And he, she says Montague and Teremo because she's always been adamant throughout the book that she's a Teremo, not a Capulet. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, she's like, well, aren't you leaving? And he's like, oh, I'll send this other cousin uh and she is he wants to keep kissing her but she's like no people will talk and he's like didn't you say thou art a confirmed wanton where's the harm then and they're like laughing 
Uh, and also then, a good point. yeah, but then he's like, whatever, you know, he says, as you wish, which is cute. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they like get on their horses, including she's still on the new stallion that Aeschylus just gave her. And then they like walk back into Verona, all happy about their future. And like, that's the end. Uh, and uh, like they mention, like Benvolio can almost imagine like Mercutio here and his other slain cousin here and. You know, like, mm-hmm. Romeo and Juliet are watching after them, and they're, like, really happy together. And Aeschylus is presumably, like, listening to Drake and crying. <laughs> I'm just imagining Romeo and Juliet in a, like, Star Wars-esque ending where they're just, like, holograms. Yeah! <laughs> just watching on and <laughs> Yeah. So, yeah, we don't get to see Aeschylus again, I'm assuming. He's, yeah, like I said, just... Bummer. Yeah. Well, he got the wrong. Yeah. I wonder maybe in the future. Oh, I forgot. Livia uh, gets to go with Isabella because Isabella's mm-hmm. like, hey, I was promised another lady in waiting. Uh, and, and they're really happy because Livia never wants. She hates Verona now, obviously. She's like, this place sucks. And so uh, she and the great aunt are going to go with Isabella. And they're really happy because Livia will no longer be happier in Verona. But I was like, mm-hmm. they could have also. Well, not right now because she's mourning Paris, but maybe down the line they can pair the spares and Livia can be with I figured that would happen. So. Yeah. We'll go with that. Yeah. So that's uh, still star-crossed. My trope of the week is enemies to lovers. What a surprise. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it is a cray-cray plot. It, it captures the voice of Shakespeare really well. I didn't cool. get into a lot of that, but it's really good. And yeah, I love me uh a couple that keeps like sassing each other but is would ride or die for each other mm-hmm. so not to shade Aeschylus who is perfectly fine as a suitor excellent yeah so did you have were there any mentions of the the unmentionable bits oh no yeah there's uh, no there are no love scenes or anything so damn. no quivering womanhood or anything <laughs> like that or <laughs> thankfully yeah, that would have. Uh, yeah, thank you for remembering my euphemisms. I had forgot I them know, because I was they, ready for they it. were non-existent. Uh, so yeah, that was everything. Uh, cheers to that. Cheers to that. To Sister Agatha and uh, all that other nonsense. So <laughs> the horse fell into a ravine. <laughs> I will think about that all week and laugh. Yeah. So join us in the trash heap next time, guys. Bye. Bye.